Tonight, we begin the end of our journey. During this journey, we've been surrounded in this space by the beautiful images of the stations of the cross. Some of us have fasted on certain days. We've taken on spiritual discipline and practices. During this week, especially, we can come to church twice a day, have communion every day in noonday prayer. Tomorrow, we relive and narrate and try to make some sense out of the passion of Jesus. And tonight, for one last time, we commune with God again in the Holy Eucharist, and then we take all signs of God's presence out of here. We strip the church bare. Each day takes us closer and closer to the cross. And each day of Holy Week, we are drawn deeper into the story. We are immersed in the story. The very nature of worship is immersive, after all. Sometimes worship is meant to engage us on every level and to swallow us up in the story of what we are experiencing. Each time we come here, we are drawn in to the worship experience and we are changed tangibly for good by sharing bread and wine together, God's body and blood. Human beings long for this kind of immersive experience. Recently, we went up to see our daughter in New York City, and we went to see a show that was run by an immersive theater company. There's these companies of actors who will take over a building, and they'll, they'll have these plays that are called immersive. And this one was based on Shakespeare's Macbeth. And as an audience member, you didn't sit on, a, on the floor and watch people on a stage. You followed around particular characters throughout the building. And at one point in the night, I found myself sprinting up and down stairwells following the head maid of this fictional hotel, covered in dirt and sweat from the set. Before I knew it, two and a half hours were over. I'd been lost in this story, following this lady around, trying to find out what was going to happen. This character drew me in. We have a character who draws us in to the gospel tonight. His name is Simon Peter. Peter. He's a principal player in the cast for Holy Week and in the cast for the New Testament. Actually mentioned by name 143 times in the gospels and in Acts. And in, and in the gospel of John alone, he shows up 33 times. It's always a very big deal when someone has a name in scripture. Think about all, all the unnamed people, all the disciples who were just lumped into that group, the disciples, when things happen. And we follow Peter around to several scenes in the Passion narrative. He says and he does things. And in several scenes with Jesus, he's a, a supporting player in the gospel accounts of Jesus last week. We have to have Simon Peter for, for the gospel and for the, the, the passion narrative to do its work and to happen. 
But I think we also need Peter so we can become a part of that narrative as well. We need Peter to make us a part because we need a character to follow around, I think. And he makes us a part of that story because, let's face it now, Peter is like us. He's exuberant. He's eager to please Jesus. He's brave sometimes, and he's even well-intentioned sometimes. But then sometimes he's disloyal. Many times he's deeply flawed. Sometimes he's even a little bit stupid. I can't speak for all of you. Peter is definitely my stand-in. He's me. And I think he's probably all of us. And he's right in the center of the drama that unfolds before us. He keeps the story familiar and human. And he allows us to walk around inside the set of Holy Week. He's familiar because he has some really some really familiar human qualities. For one, he's inquisitive and he's hard-headed. Tonight in the Gospel, he questions this wonderful thing that Jesus is doing for his friends. He's the only one who, who we hear questioning Jesus. He, he questions authority. None other than the authority of, of the Son of God himself. And I would imagine that all of us in here at one time or another have second-guessed authority or insisted on, on having our way or even resisting God's goodness as Peter does. Who here has not angered and disappointed important people in our lives? Who here has not been disloyal to a friend or maybe even to God? Peter does not quite get it. This especially makes him like us sometimes because he refuses, even in the face of Jesus, to comprehend what what God is freely offering him right now in Jesus. Peter resists a God who offers servant-like suffering love to him. Jesus strips down to a towel and kneels to wash this man's feet. And it's funny because in one translation of the Bible, in the Common English Bible, Peter responds to Jesus' offering for foot washing by saying, No, you will never wash my feet. He says no and never to Jesus. We say no and never to the love God offers us in Jesus. At least I do. Sometimes on a daily basis even. Because in pain or adversity or even in success many times, we remain steadfastly convinced that we are alone. Even though he resists, Peter is still in great need of God's unfailing, cleansing grace. Jesus responds to Peter by telling him that that Jesus has to wash his feet. And all that is required of Peter is to allow Jesus to do God's work for him by washing his feet. Through this moment, we see that nothing that we do makes us worthy or ready for this honor, this grace. But Jesus says to Peter, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Unless Peter submits to God, submits to Jesus, to being washed 
He will not be a part of God's family. He will not be given a place with Jesus. Peter is saved by something that's quite outside his power and comprehension. You don't know what I'm doing now, but you will understand later, Jesus says. Kind of like we say sometimes to our children, the loved ones, when we say, someday you'll appreciate this. Jesus washes his feet. Jesus encounters the most humble, vulnerable, dirty part. And he offers himself as a servant. He assumes the most humble human form that he could. And then he suffers on the cross. And he dies for us, who all of us who, like Peter, many times seem like the least worthy of this kind of love. And then as we know, Jesus feeds Peter and all his friends in an intimate meal of bread and wine, and he offers in that bread and wine his body and his blood to them, fortifying them and supplying them with the very sustenance that they need to carry on. We are offered this just like Peter, flawed as we are. We are offered this tangible sign of belonging and salvation and transformation. Peter's inquisitive and stubborn. He's clueless and he needs God's grace. Yet Jesus takes the raw material of Peter's life and soul just like he takes the raw material of our lives and souls. He takes what seems impossibly broken incredibly resistant to God's grace. And not only does he save us, Jesus makes us family, friends with God, cleansed, saved, useful, even necessary for God's story with humanity. Jesus, through Peter, finally shows us and tells us quite plainly, that by loving one another as he loved us, by assuming this humble form, by putting our very lives on the line for God, we can make God's love continue to happen. We can share with one another as he and his friends did in their meal and in their lives together. So we are offered not just an immersive experience tonight, but we are offered a chance to be a part of God, to commune with God. Through God's work for us in Jesus, we are not just given a part in God's drama. No, we are God's story. And it's a story that continues through and with and because of what Jesus started for us in his life and his death and resurrection. As we sit in silence, let us all consider how we will continue God's story and how God finds us and gives us our part and makes us his story.